but um, I think the important thing is that you don't need to be an expert. You'll learn as you go, and it's those barriers that we put up that stop us doing anything in the first place. Hey, my friend, you've found the Functioning Hot Mess Podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Murray, and I love to bring you life lessons and guidance to help you level up your self-confidence. While I usually do solo episodes, it's fun to bring you a new voice once in a while. Today, I'm sharing my chat with Steph Jevons, who's known for being the first person to traverse all seven continents on two wheels, right? How crazy is that? And did I mention she went solo? Super impressive. Now, this episode is for you regardless of whether or not you're a fan of motorcycles, and here's why. As I visited with Steph and listened to her story, my goals and dreams seemed possible. Hearing what she's overcome and learning more about her adventures helped me open my mind to the possibility that my dreams are also possible. I hope you feel that as you tune in today. Now, if you want to learn more about Steph and her adventures or pick up her book, Home by Seven, it's going to be released on September 3rd, and you can go to stephjevons.com. That's S-T-E-P-H-J-E-A-V-O-N-S dot com. Thank you so much for being here. Let's dive in. Okay, welcome, Steph, to this podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. And I know that you are a big name in the adventure motorcycle world, but a lot of my listeners don't know much about adventure motorcycling. So tell us a little bit about you. Tell us about Steph. Okay, well, um, thanks for that intro. Um, big name, I'm not so sure. But um, but yeah, I, I guess I'm fairly well known in the motorbike world these days. I, I became the first person to circumnavigate the globe and ride a motorbike on all seven continents. Uh, last year? No, year before. 2018, I got home after a four-year journey around the globe covering all seven continents. That includes Antarctica as well, of course, which was the big, uh, you know, the big one, really. Um, well, they were all pretty big, especially on a, on, a, on a small motorbike like I had, which was a, a 250cc dirt bike. What made you decide to do this? Did you just wake up one day and think, I want to take off on this amazing adventure? Or was it something that you planned? How did you get there? Well, you know, that is a long story. Um, I suppose we've got a bit of time, so I'll, I'll give you the long version. Um, <laughs> I was, uh, I didn't always have uh, a, a, an amazing life. Um, I, I guess I've always had an interesting life, you could put it that way. Um, when I was in my teens, um uh, sort of late teens, I um, became uh, addicted to heroin. And so um, from that, I got myself into a fair amount of trouble. I ended up in prison by the time I was 20. And um, it was actually in my prison cell, looking out of a window that I, out of the cell window, that I, that I realized that uh, I had to change my life around, really. And um, I'm not for one for doing things by halves, you know, um, hence the reason why I was in prison in the first place. And <laughs> I suppose what I did was re-channel that energy and, um, and, and find a way to, to, to turn my life around. And, and that's exactly what I did when I when I got out of prison. I, I, I became, well, became many things. I became a human resources manager. Uh, I uh, I bought a few houses. I, I, I Over the years, it, it took me a long time. And eventually I started working with motorbikes. And it was in, the, but it was in that prison cell that I decided I was, I was going to see the world, uh, that there was more to life. And that 
dream, that seed kind of evolved over the years to to eventually deciding I was going to ride a motorbike around the world. And, and that probably came from two tequilas too many. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the, the idea kind of grew the idea um so so it was um instead of just saying okay i'm going to ride around the world it became i'm going to ride to all seven continents and and yeah um there was no stopping me really so i i really didn't believe i could do it for for a very long time but um but people started believing me for some reason and uh and so that encouraged me and and i just kept i i think really i enjoyed the planning more than anything else and it didn't really feel real so I just kept planning and so it's like oh this is fun and then I got to the start line and the start date and suddenly there was 200 people behind me waving me off and I was like oh wow this is actually real I have to do this what <laughs> <laughs> so so that was it and then so I did four years later <laughs> that is amazing there I know that was the long version ish but there was so much in there that I know you left out. I want to go back to when you said you realized in prison that there was you wanted to change your life and you started planting seeds for this bigger dream. Now, obviously, when you got out of prison, you didn't take off on your motorbike. What steps did you take to actually get to that place where you felt like you could go forward on your dream? Well, I mean, I actually started before I left prison. So um, I went into prison a heroin addict, and, and that's that's no um, that's that there's no nice way to put that really, and and there's no uh, easy way out of that. Um, even when you get into prison, um, well, first of all, you've got more motivation to take it in a way because you're in a really bad place. And one thing heroin does is take you for a short period, take you out of that bad place, um, makes you feel like you're out of a bad place, regardless of your situation. That hence why it's so addictive. Um, so if you have uh, any kind of mental health issues or you're in a really bad place in your life, it, it's, it's as, as the Rolling Stones called it, it's mother's little helper. And um, in prison, th there seems more reason to take it than not in a way. So first of all, I had to get over that. And, and of course, it's accessible in prison as well. You'd be naive to think it wasn't. And, um, you know, there are times where, where you, can, you can get hold of it. And my first challenge was to say no. And for the first time in my life, I said no, and I had never believed that was possible. And that was the, probably the biggest challenge I've ever had in my life, even to date, was to turn around and say no and and keep saying no. Um, and actually, the first time I said no and managed to, to walk away, I, I never touched it again. And that, that was uh, that made me feel that was a, a, a big step to making me feel a lot stronger. From there, I, I started taking business admin courses. Um, I learned to touch type. So somebody asked me recently, uh, when did you learn to type so quickly? And I, and I was like, well, <laughs> on my travels, you know, along the way. So, um, so there's, there was a lot of time to use uh, and and I did use that to my advantages advantage eventually it, it took me a while to get my head around that um I, and each step made me feel a little bit stronger and when I got out I decided that that wasn't going to define me um you know my my prison history wasn't going to define me um and so I started building my life back up with small steps you know I I wanted nothing more than a simple life I wanted to to make grow fruit and make jam and, and have a very simple basic life and and I had it for a while it was it was comforting I felt normal and um but that's 
novelty soon wore off and so <laughs> and so i went i went in search of adventure again but this time not in the sense of, of, of drugs or anything like that but but in the sense of finding the buzz in life without the drugs and i started riding motorbikes more i started getting into that kind of thing and that adrenaline buzz instead and um several several years later i i um I set up my own business running an off-road motorbike school. Um, and that gave me a lot of confidence. Uh, I learned to ride better. I I gained confidence to the fact that I'd set up a successful business. And, um, and, and yeah, at sort of five years later after that, I, I thought, do you know what? I can actually do this and I'm going for it. And uh and off I went. But but actually in, in between that my, um I had a business partner who who didn't it didn't end well let's put it that way he started with his own agenda and uh, and so i had to make a decision at that point whether to try and carry on and get beaten down by that or whether to just go right use this as an opportunity to go and chase your dreams that had been sitting there door you know um just that little that little seed was growing inside me for all those years and and so at that point i said right time to turn adversity into a positive again and go for it. And and that was it. Um, off I went. I think that's so important. And some of the things that you have said, I talk a lot to other women about small steps and you took a huge challenge, but you took it in little bite sized steps. Like your initial challenge was to say no, and it was absolutely huge, but it was that one decision, that one step and how that changed the projection of your life. And you can see that in all the work that you have done and all the p- future adventures and not allowing your past to define you. I think that's amazing. You're such a great example of how to do that. Thank you. Well, I, I, I think, you know, um, you, you don't realize, maybe you don't even realize what you're doing at the time, but but then I, I have a little mantra and it's that, that, that sort of age old saying is how do you eat an elephant? And, and, it, and it's one bite at a time. And, you know, the, the, you, you have to just get stuck in and keep, you know, taking those, those bite sized chunks. And before you know it, you're there. And it was like setting off on that journey. Like I said, it was the planning and I was just enjoying the, I had my head down really just planning. And then suddenly I'm like, wow, I'm here. <laughs> and and it was, it was a surprise to me as it was to anybody else. And, <laughs> and, uh, and terrifying, exhilarating, but wow, what a, what a confidence booster to think I actually did it. And the thing was I, I suffered from um, <clears throat> what you might call um Oh, what do you call it? The uh, imposter complex, which I had never heard of before, <clears throat> but I've since learned to, that that phrase, and that's exactly what I was feeling when I was leaving. I was, I was, all these people were waving and clapping and cheering, and I was thinking, they don't. Any minute now, they're going to think they're going to realize I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. They're going to realize I'm an imposter, and you know, of course, they they didn't have, you know, they just. They were happy to support me because I was giving it a go, um, I guess. Um, but it, it seemed more people had confidence in me than I did in myself. It's not that I was always there full of confidence, knowing it was going to happen and I was going to do it. I think I just carried on regardless. And and then all of a sudden, I was doing it. Yeah. And I think that's important to note because 
as an outsider looking in, you know, I I get to see all of the things that you have done and see your YouTube videos and your pictures and hear about your adventures. And in my mind, it feels as if you had the confidence before you even started, like you you just showed up as a professional. But what you're saying is that was not how it happened. You very much showed up from a place of feeling like this was not your area of expertise. You were almost like, what the heck am I doing here? And and just kind of taking one step at a time, which is different from what we usually think we need to do. We think we have to start as a professional and have it all planned out before we take that first step. But that didn't seem to be your experience. I think that if um, if I'd have waited till I was an expert, <clears throat> excuse me, if, I, if I'd have waited till I was an expert at everything, <laughs> if I waited till I knew what I needed to know, I would still be here now trying to figure it out. Um, there's a lot of things I could have done with. Um, I could have done with extra languages. You know, I, I speak Welsh and, and English and, and Welsh didn't really come in handy on, on my journey. I can tell you that. But um, I think the important thing is that you don't need to be an expert. You'll learn as you go. And it's those barriers that we put up that stop us doing anything in the first place. Those, well, I can't because I don't know how to do this or I can't because that might happen or or I can't because somebody says it's dangerous. All the, all these different reasons that, you know, our lack of ability um, or lack of experience is, is one of those big uh, red flags that, that says to me you're looking for excuses. And actually... You know, um, I, you know, I had experience with people. You know, I, I'd been to prison. I've had experience with a lot of different. <laughs> <laughs> I had so, I, so I, again, I use that as a positive. And you know, I, I've also worked as a, I'd also worked by then as a human resources manager, um, as a mortgage advisor. Over the years, I've done a lot of different things, and every every bit of that I felt was. Uh, I, I felt as if it was a training ground for, um, for for that moment in a way, which sounds a bit dramatic, but it was, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, ha- I'd ha- had that dream for so long. And I, I, I guess, you know, no, I wasn't an expert. No, I wasn't that confident. But somewhere in the back of my mind, I knew there was something just dying to get out and, and, and that eventually it would, you know, that it would happen. Um, and it's that little inkling of, of belief. And, and actually – Having hit rock bottom, which which I did, you couldn't get much lower than I got. Um, that gave me confidence too, because I'd already been to the bottom. I knew what it was like, and I knew that I could survive it. And so, if I could survive that, I could survive anything. Um, it was also a great motivation not to go back there. But it, but it was. Um, I just thought, well you know, life is worth living. You've got, you've got to take back that time. You've got to make the most of your life and, and just go for it. Um, and if you're too guarded and too careful, in my opinion, you know, um, then, you know, I I personally, I just think you've got to take chances and, and, believe in yourself and go for it, no matter how scared you feel. (laughs) No, I agree with that too. And I think that's a lot of what holds us back. I don't know if it happens to men too, or if it's more prominent in women, but I feel like a lot of us look at things that have happened in our past and we decide that that's just who we are, or we don't deserve better or, you know, and sometimes it's just that mental personal decision to say, that doesn't define me, just like what you said. And to be able to move forward and kind of start anew, start fresh and not allow that to continue to be brought forward. And that's hard. 
It is, but I, I think that um, for me, what I did, uh, like, like I said at the beginning, was that, that I, I think I had an energy within me, and that energy initially sent me down the wrong road. And, you know, it was, it, I was no victim, you know, as that's one thing I'd like to make clear. I, I was no victim. I, I, I put myself in a, in a, in a situation for, for whatever reasons. I'm no psychologist. I can't tell you why I took that road, but you know, there's probably a lot to do with the fact that I'm inquisitive, that I, you know, that I, um, I, I have this certain energy where I want to experience things. And, and so, um, and, and I actually, when I took the drugs in the, the in the first place, I was in a quite a bad place in my life too. So there seemed more reason to try it than not. And but I was always inquisitive, and I, and I think that once I realised that okay, that's not necessarily a bad trait. That's just a bad choice you've you, you've made to you know um, you've chosen to use that trait for for not necessarily good things. But it's not a bad trait, so that doesn't make you a bad person that you've made a bad choice. Um, and and so as soon as you realize that you can quickly recover. I agree. And I think um at least the way that I was raised, I think a lot of us are kind of raised to be sweet, kind, nurturing women. That's, you know, sugar and spice and everything nice or what girls are made of was kind of what I remember hearing as a child and I felt like that was wrong because that didn't resonate with me. I didn't feel like that. I felt inquisitive. I felt mischievous. I felt a little wild and that was everything against that. And so I can kind of relate where I took off on my own path as well to be adventurous and learn something new and try something new. And sometimes those paths were had more detrimental effects than others. <laughs> Absolutely, and and you know that's the good, that's a really good point because I I think um, you know it's 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 almost a subconscious or subliminal message that that we've been given as as women through the years, um, and it's changing you know all the time, but it's still there. Uh, and I think that you know even though those things like uh, you're climbing a tree and and uh, women are more likely to girls are more likely to be told to be careful you know, don't hurt yourself. Oh, don't do that. You'll hurt yourself. Oh, be careful. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're bought the pink and fluffy things and, and, and the guys are, bought, you know, and, and in a way that there's a lot of nature nurture, but you know, so there's, there, there's obviously a difference between men and women. We're not the same. And often the girls will, the little girls will go for the pink while the little boys will go for the blue by nature. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we're not tr- all trying to be the same, but I, I think there is a lot more to it. And, and you know, um, as a woman traveling around the world, people were more, you know, they would look at me with shock and horror initially, like, you're on your own? <laughs> you know, you and I, and I was told things like regularly. I mean, told things like you'll be raped and murdered. You'll be pulled from your bike, and you'll be raped and murdered, and and those kind of things. If I'd have listened to everybody along the way, you know, don't go down that road, don't do this, don't do that. You'll get killed. You'll get attacked. You, you know, you, you're vulnerable. You're a woman, and um, it, I, I never would have. Well, I probably wouldn't have left the house, and and. Um, that continued all the way through, and and it, but it was kind of that as we grew up too. But as I said, subliminally, you know. So we have a lot more to overcome. I think. I think so. I think that we have been raised, and like you said, we are different. We're different in stature. We're different in our physical abilities, and it does make us more vulnerable. I think. And then when we have the pressures of society, it adds a lot. Was that something that you ever that kind of held you back from this, or did you just? not give in to that feeling of being out there on your own and being vulnerable? 
I, I, I don't think I, I, and I was determined not to be a victim in that, if that makes sense. I, um, mm-hmm. I didn't want to, and actually, I think the way you behave um, can really affect the way people behave around you. And if you can, despite how you feel, again, even if you're feeling nervous, appear confident, then um, and not uh, defensive or nervous, um, then you're going to get a different reaction. And actually what I, I think what happened was that I got a lot of positive reinforcement as I went around. So, um, okay, so there was a lot of people saying, uh, don't do this, don't go there, da, 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 you know, men and women telling me that. Um, but at the same time, I was learning to ignore it because on the other hand, I was getting lots of people, whilst they were saying, don't go down that way, you'll get raped and murdered, they were saying they were perfectly wonderful in their neighbourhood. So they were sort of like, we're okay, but those people, they'll kill you. You know, everybody's <laughs> neighbours, so we'll look after you, but those people will kill you. And then I went to the next place and they'd say exactly the same thing. And um, and so what I learned was I'd sort of have a wry smile whenever I heard those comments in the end because it was like, yeah, okay, I've heard this one. I know how this one ends, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think actually in the end I, I had too much confidence to the point where I maybe put myself in situations <laughs> I also developed a gut instinct, which which I think was um, is not necessarily a natural thing. I think that's something that you develop, you know, your skills in, in that sense. But uh, but no, you, you have to ignore the naysayers um, and, and go with what you feel, you know. I think so. I think when we listen too much to those naysayers, we get more anxiety. It keeps us stuck. We don't take those adventures. And I think that that is one of our human drives is to be challenged and to try new things and find adventure. And we, I think that's part of why there's so much depression in the world is because we don't act on that dream or that excited life. We stay where we're comfortable and that keeps us stuck and eventually miserable. Yeah, absolutely. And it's very easy to get trapped too, isn't it? You know, it's, it's so easy for me to sort of sit here and say, Hey, go for your dreams, go for it. Why not? You know, anyone can do this. And I have to do so that anyone can do this. Well, you know, not everybody is in a position in their life. And, and there was, there's a lot of jostling to get to a position where you can do that. And in my case, you know, it took 20 years. And it, and it also um, took some luck in some cases and, and, you know, all sorts of factors that, that took me to that point in my life. And, I, you know, it's all very well saying if you really want to do it, you can. But, but you know, there are people who've got to look after other people. There, there There's all sorts of situations. But I think um, just taking those little steps and it doesn't matter if it's in – if you're aiming for 10 years' time or if you're – you know, it doesn't matter when. Um, I, I think if you've got a goal – You've really just got to set a date. That's always my big thing is just set a date. doesn't matter if you can't figure out anything in between just Mm -hmm. yet, you know, (laughs) and it doesn't matter if it's 10 years ahead, but um, set a date and say, right, how can I work towards that? And and then we go back to that elephant again, you know, and, and one bite at a time. Do you feel like setting a goal and moving towards that date has helped you be able to stay off the heroin and and stay true to your goals and keep you focused. Has that been a key, key concept for you in all of this? 
Well, well, one thing I've learned about myself is that I need goals in my life to to, to stay happy. And um, when I when I don't have goals, I, I I get a little bit down. And and um, you know, um, I, I need that that goal to. I need something to work towards, and I like to keep busy. As far as the heroin is concerned, I like I said after, after that first time saying no, I ne- I don't call myself a recovering ad- addict, and I never felt like one. I just felt like that was the end of a chapter for me. And I don't know why that was. After such a struggle to get off it in the first place, something changed in me that said, you know, that that saying no gave me that strength to continue in that same vein. And I, I was never tempted again. And, and I suppose getting out of that situation with people, that sort of people obviously helped. And mm-hmm. so it, it never never crossed my path again you know uh, once I got out of prison but definitely setting goals is I think is really important I'm, I'm a to-do list kind of a girl you know I have to write everything down and then tick them off even if I've forgotten to write it on my list sometimes okay th- this is really sad but sometimes <laughs> I'll write it on my list just so I can cross it off I knew cool. what you were gonna say because I do the exact same thing <laughs> <laughs> It's so satisfying. Isn't it? <laughs> it is at my end of the day, you know, when I look back and I may not have crossed off one thing that I had on my list, but I crossed off a lot of others. So I do, I write them down so I can give myself credit for, for a job well done. <laughs> it's pat on the back, isn't it? Yeah. It is. I, I think we all need goals to one degree or another, you know, and it doesn't have to be riding around the world or, or, you know, climbing Everest. It can be, you know, small, small things every day. And, and, um, you know, I like to exercise and I like to, I've got a dog, I've got a collie called Chewy who, who loves her. She keeps me sane and, and she, she's got, she likes her pattern, her behavior, you know, she's got her rituals and she's happy as long as we do those things during the day. Mm-hmm. At certain times you know she controls the 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 day um you know the morning walk the evening walk and and the the little tennis ball game in the evening before bed and you know uh, that what that's what keeps her happy in a way in a way I think we're very similar as human beings that we are creatures of habit even somebody like me who who spent four years randomly riding around the world but but even then it wasn't that random I wasn't just wandering around aimlessly because that that isn't me and I I learned that about myself um I wasn't just going oh I'll go here and I'll go here I had to set myself that goal and that challenge and and without that I think I probably would have given up several uh, on many occasions I would have gone well this is too difficult why am I doing this um but because I had that that thing on the list to tick off and and I know some people think that okay ticking boxes oh that's a bad thing but I, I don't mean doing it just for the sake of ticking it off, but 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 setting those challenges that, that, that you really want to do. But w- without them, I, I wouldn't see much point in some on days where I was struggling, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they got me to the next level of the next high because it, it wasn't all a big high. Of course, there was lots of highs and lots of lows. And um, so, yeah, the, the challenge is important. It is. And one of the things that you said about you set a goal, you set a date and that you need the goals to stay happy. So how do you feel what happens when you complete that goal and you check off that box? Is there a little bit of an emptiness that, you know, celebration that comes with checking it off and achieving that goal? But then is there a little bit of a a a, a buzzkill, so to speak, where it where you feel down because now now what? 
Absolutely. And do you know what? The, you know, the, the bigger the thing you've ticked off, the, 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 the bigger the down, actually, the bigger the downer. And um, there, there were two major downers for me and they were after two major highs and and one was um and i don't mean just a quick adrenaline buzz followed by a, a slump in you know i mean um one was getting the motor back to antarctica that i i cried i mean i cried i was overjoyed and so much effort had gone into that so many people had helped me for no reason than to just help me um nothing in it for them otherwise and and that restored my faith in human nature i saw a beautiful mm-hmm. part of the world i achieved something that people told me i couldn't achieve and then i got back to the mainland and i thought oh i feel a bit down now and i and i had to sort of go away and lock myself in a in a cheap hotel room and try and sort of figure out what was going on with me and why was I depressed if if I just achieved this and if right. I'm depressed now then when was I ever going to be happy if I couldn't be happy now after doing that then when, when was I ever going to be happy and they almost made it worse you know it's that self-perpetuating mm-hmm. beating yourself up thing and and then I sort of figured it out and and said you know just be kind to yourself for a while and relax and don't worry about any kind of stimulation for a few days don't worry about you know just relax and and eventually I, I returned, uh, you know, from under that rock. And uh, and it was it was then that, that great memory and another strength, another thing to keep me going. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. And then the second one, of course, was getting home. And I, and I suffered what felt like a bereavement after four years of having a goal, having a point on the map um, to aim for, for four years. And, and previous to that, all the planning, of course. So... I mm-hmm. always had something to aim for, something that I was going to achieve and that I had, you know, and then I'd achieved it and it was just like, oh, okay then. Uh, right. What do I do now? And and I went from feeling like getting home was a blank canvas and a, a new chapter and a, all these exciting things to, well, actually I'm jobless and I'm homeless and I haven't got a goal anymore, you know. <laughs> <laughs> It was kind of bizarre. It was a roller coaster, but of course you get over that, and then you you get back to a stage where you've got energy again, and you want to now look for your next goal. Um, and it's it, that's addictive in itself. And and you know, I definitely have an addictive personality. So so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's helpful though to know and to understand that even if you reach this huge achievement that's you have you've reached several really impressive achievements and then for it's it's natural to have that down feel for a little while and to work past it but then i think it's also okay to recognize that you don't always have to be you know your next goal just needs to be your next goal it doesn't necessarily have to be bigger and better because i don't know how you would ever set a goal you've already reached the first person to traverse all seven continents how do you top that <laughs> well you know that's again another really good point and um and i and i think that took me a long time to to work out and what i've decided is because i make the rules this is my life right and, and what i've decided right. is that is that um no you're right it doesn't need to be big and actually i think a lot of people who do big stuff um or take on big adventures then struggle with the everyday little things in life and um and and so what i had to do was to find the adventure in everyday life and whether that's just 
taking my dog for a walk. And I, and I do. I, I mean, again, it probably sounds a little bit sad to some people, but I, I'll take my dog for a walk and go, right, where are we going today? And we'll, well, you know, it's almost like, you know, Tintin or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I follow a footpath and we go, where's this? Where is this going to take us? Or, um, you know, and it, it's almost just baking a cake, you know, that you've never tried before or stuff that I used to find like, oh, I can't be bothered with that. What's what's that all about? And that's not me. I'm not into that kind of thing. And now um, I'm really taking pleasure in, in a lot of everyday things. And it's not always easy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not skipping around with butterflies and rabbits following me around everywhere. It's, it's not, um, you know, it's not Alice in Wonderland or anything, but it, there, I always try I, and I do have to try to, to find the good things in life and, and my happy place. Um, and, and I do, I, I actually, I, the, the simple things in life really I've discovered lately bring me the most pleasure. It's a consistent thing. It's, it's not a, a massive high and a massive low. It's just a nice, pleasurable thing uh without the extremes you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. right so when you were on your journey and you're having this adventure I know there had to have been times where you felt like giving up did you have those moments how did you work through that what did that look like um yeah yes and no I I, there was never a time where I said "I, I, I want to go home actually um but there were times where I questioned why I was doing it because physically it was difficult. I um, I was riding a, a vibrating, it was a single cylinder motorbike, which means it's quite a vibrating bike actually and, and not designed for, for what I was doing, you know, for that amount of miles. So I suffered physically my joints and the vibrations constantly, the, um, the repetitive strain injuries from being in the same position every day, um, for four years with the vibration. So I suffered a lot of injuries and um, I also crashed a couple of times and injured my shoulder. And um, and so there were times uh, where I really thought, A, I'd completely broken myself and why was I doing this? And and But something told me I had to do it, that I, I had to keep find a way to keep going. And again, it was those goals that I'd set myself. And, you know, I, it's good to analyze. It's good to sort of check in with yourself and say, look, is it really that important? Um, this is tough. And am I just, as I call it, head down windmilling, you know, um, and not really, you know, not chasing something for the sake of it, you know, where it's really not that important. And I met people along the way who, who did decide who maybe on a long, long jet, not as, not as, you know, all seven continents, but would saying riding the Americas and they had decided to give to, to go home. And what I would say to them was, well, look, that's not giving up. That's not failure. That's just acknowledging that this isn't the right thing for you and um, and moving on, you know. Mm-hmm. Then you meet other people who are just breaking their backs and, you know, and saying, oh, no, I've got to finish this. I've got to finish this because I said I would. And And I think we're in serious danger of, of, of doing that if we're not careful and making ourselves miserable from trying to achieve something absolutely at the same time you too easily so so I think you've got to sort of just constantly check in with yourself and say look is this really what you want is this really important and the answer always came back to me that yes it is important it's been there for 20 odd years this isn't a, a short journey that most people just saw the 
the tip of the iceberg as far as as far as my story you know went and um but for me it was so much more and it was that final kind of uh well not final but it was it was that one big thing that I felt I I needed to do to to really prove to myself and to to put sort of closure on on something um and I'm very glad I did but I did nearly break myself <laughs> along the way. well I love that because I think that what you just described is absolutely key because it is about listening to yourself I know I have been in both extremes where I have pushed myself beyond my limits because this is what I had committed to and I won't allow myself to not achieve that goal. But I failed to recognize that it it didn't matter to me anymore. The importance had fallen had fallen away. And so I was killing myself to reach something that didn't even matter anymore. And then on the flip side, I've also given up on things that did matter because of challenges or difficulty. And so trying to find that balance is is really important and i know when you're on a motorcycle it's a little bit different than you know sitting at home you can't exactly just abandon your motorcycle and walk away that doesn't work but we do that a lot in life i think we fail to check in with ourselves and reassess our goal or get clear on our goal before we even start out absolutely yeah and and for me it was it was making decisions along the way like um okay I'm exhausted I'm tired I'm oversaturated with beautiful scenery or volcanoes or whatever it was stimulation you know new scenery every day new smells new roads new faces all this stuff and I thought well do I what do I do do I speed up or do I slow down and do I actually wait until you're enjoying it again and and stop pushing so much and then sort of ease ease back out again and um but but those are the kind of decisions you have to make and and um it, you know, it's, it, it is important to, to assess those goals and those dreams along the way, for sure. And what I heard in that also was be willing to be flexible, even if it's a deadline or getting back on the road to be able to say, I want to enjoy this moment. I'm going to stay here an extra couple of days, even though it's not on my itinerary or my agenda. And to really just allow yourself to feel the fatigue of your body and to stay an extra night in a place and and just be flexible even though you're still on your goal and still on your path you're allowing life to happen at the same time absolutely i mean it's it's too tough really to be out there just for one reason and just for the end purpose you know that it's definitely too tough and my my original plan was was 18 months um I was going to do it in 18 months and it, it took me four years so so that's flexibility for you <laughs> <laughs> definitely <laughs> my parents back in 18 months I think I actually said 16 months <clears throat> but in my, head, in my head I was thinking 18 months and um and, and four years later I rolled back up you know and say, oh thanks you <laughs> know so um but yeah you, you've definitely got to be flexible and very kind to yourself you know don't don't keep beating yourself up it's uh you know life is there to be enjoyed and and yes we've got to set ourselves challenges i, I watched um, a documentary the other day about uh the, the, the four women who uh rode a uh, road across the pacific um mm-hmm. called losing sight of shore amazing amazing challenge and they spent several months at sea and there was it you have those moments and we've probably all felt it at, to, to some degree or another, 
where you're going, I'm exhausted, I can't take any more mentally, physically, I'm done, I've got nothing else to give. And yet, you know, you have no choice but to carry on. And mm-hmm. uh, there's just something that, you know, it could be that you're hanging off the edge of a cliff, for example, and you, you know, you mm-hmm. but you've got nothing left to give, but you know, you have to do it. Nobody's going to rescue you. And, and those those women had that ultimate uh, thing where they're in the middle of the Pacific and nobody's going to save them. They've got nothing left to give. They're, you know, they're, they're emotionally, physically and mentally drained and yet they've got to keep going. And those, those are the moments where, okay, they couldn't just drop out. Uh, I, I guess I could have at, at those moments where I felt like that, but, um, and that was comforting. Uh, but those are the moments where you have to make those big decisions. And it's, it's like we said, it's, it's a very tough call to know which is which and to find that balance. Um, <clears throat> but as long as that end goal is important to you, you'll find a way to pull through. I kind of feel like when we, that is our moment of growth. And I feel like we are, we all, we do get help. And even as you've talked about um, your travels and all the help that people gave you, just even in conversation and providing connection and helping you here and there along the way, I think that there's, it's appreciated, but those moments where we have no choice but to dig deep internally and make those tough decisions and handle it on our own or choose to continue to push forward that is where we grow. And the end result, even though we don't go into that feeling like we don't feel strong when we enter that feeling and that place, but we come out saying, look what I just did. I, I can give you a great example of that. And that, that is my, uh, my many times actually, but, but especially the early days of wild camping on my own. And, you know, in a strange country, uh, it's getting dark. You set your tent up and you're in your tent and there's noises outside and you're, and you know, you're pitch black and you've got no choice but to stay there. And you don't, you, you know, there's really nothing else you can do, but you've got your leather and, you know, your, your, your little pen knife handy and you've got your head torch. And then, you know, you, these noises are probably just, you're telling yourself it's just a mouse or it's just a bug, but in your head, these monsters are growing outside and, you know, it's mm-hmm. fangs and all this little ax murderers, whatever. And, you know, but you've, you've got to stay there and, and, and you think, okay, be brave, be brave. And, and actually you're not brave. You're absolute, you're not feeling brave at all. You're petrified, but you, mm-hmm. you have to stick it out. And then in the morning with the sunlight is, is a whole new perspective. And you're just like, wow, you know, how mm-hmm. I, I survived the night and how silly was I? And you look back and people will say, how brave were you? Um, and you're thinking, you should have seen me last night, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's getting over that fear, sticking with it, getting through it, and then seeing the sunlight at the end. And people will look at you and go, wow, how strong. And, and you're thinking, no way, I was terrified, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but you are strong because you did it and you got through it and, and you, you know. You survived for another another day. Yeah, I've heard it. I've heard it referred to as you embrace the suck. In that moment, you're terrified and it sucks and it's terrible, but you embrace it afterwards. In the moment, you hate it, but when you're finished and you're through that moment, like you said, you get up and the next morning is beautiful. It's a new dawn and a new day, and you can you can embrace it at that point from from the other side. You know, you've made it through. I love that. 
And it's absolutely true as well that um, we are designed, I think, to forget the pain. So, you know, um, we it's like giving birth. You know, the only miracle is that women have more than one. They go through it labor more than once and and because it's such a painful thing right but um but but we do it again and uh the, because at the end you have a beautiful baby and though that pain fades after time and you don't remember the pain you just remember the wonderful bits about it and so <laughs> and it's, it's actually been like writing this book I'm uh, you know I kept so many times this has been an adventure in itself and so many times I told myself I can't do this. I'm not good enough. I'm rubbish. And this is too much like hard work. And this is never going to get finished and never again. And all those negative things went through my head. And then some, the right word would be, you know, somebody would say the right word or something would come along or, or you know, and, and, and keep me going. And now it's finished. Wow. And, and of course, even better it tastes even sweeter because of those self that self-doubt and and all that other stuff you know so it, it mm-hmm. again quite an addictive thing to 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 go through and to taste that you know that that sweetness at the end you know something because you've achieved it too and that's the important thing that's one thing I've learned you can't you can't get there quickly and have and, and have a true sense Drugs won't do that for you. They'll give you a high and then you'll get a, you know, there's always horrible stuff that's going to come eventually, if not immediately, generally. Certainly the sort of drugs that I was taking at the age of 20. And and actually that was trying, that was almost a shortcut, trying to find shortcuts. And the best high I've ever had in my life has been and, and remains to be is those those highs that I've worked for the 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 life hits the um you know I've worked hard for it I know I have that self sense that sense of achievement I overcame that self doubt and I achieved something and it may not be a big thing to somebody else but to me I know how much effort I've put into that and and I got through it and and that is such a life hit for me you know it is and it's an opportunity to be proud of yourself yes yes absolutely yeah. <laughs> So with your book, tell us a little bit about your book. Is it about your adventure, your life? What what's in your book? Well, it's called Home by Seven and it and it's um it's about everything that we've just been talking about really. It's it's about um where the seed grew and and my life in prison. So it starts the first couple of chapters is about my life in prison and how I got there in the first place. Um and it's very honest and, and open and, and a terrifying thing to write and to put out there because for 20 years I I, I I hid that from from most people, ninety five percent of people, I, it, you know. Until that came to a point where I felt, as you just said, proud, and I decided that hey, this is me. This is all of me, and it's okay to be me. And this mm-hmm. really just saying, hey, this is me, and I'm proud. And um, and it's so it's quite a cathartic. It was quite a cathartic thing to do, and and to have it out there now for people to be looking at it and and. You know, uh, and I have no no doubts anymore. I had many while I was writing it, but now it's all finished. I'm like, no, you know, this this is fine. This is okay to be imperfect and to make mistakes. And you know, um, and so the book basically talks talks you all the way through that, and then of course um, through the the four year journey and uh, and all the way home. So I cannot wait to read your adventures. I am so excited about it. <laughs> 
So I have two more questions for you. Um, why did you decide to do this adventure on two wheels? It doesn't seem odd to me because I love motorcycles, but to a lot of women, they they think maybe go for a drive or do something like that. What made you take this adventure on on a motorcycle? Well, it, you know, if you're a biker, it's a no-brainer, I guess. Right, uh, <laughs> right. I, I, I think um, originally that wasn't the plan. I, I, I did ride motorbikes very early on, but um, uh wouldn't have dreamt of doing it on a motorbike initially. I didn't believe I would ever be good enough again, you know, that self-doubt. But um, And I wasn't a brilliant rider when I left, you know. I, was, I mean, I'm still not, but uh, having ridden, <laughs> ridden around the world, I'm still not a brilliant rider. I'm a good enough rider, you know, and I'm happy with it. But, but um, we can always, we, of course, we can always learn. But, but the, the, the two wheels was, it's just such a great way to go out there and see the world without being in a box without being um that vulnerability actually is quite a cool thing it's quite a positive thing um because of that's how you really learn what people are genuinely like you're sort of almost throwing yourself out there and saying hey this is me what do you think you know and and how how reaction are you going to get and actually the more all i've pretty much 95 percent of the time it's been very very positive and even in countries where you would expect people to say whoa woman on her own on a motorbike not cool you know um she should be at home with her husband i did often get asked all the time where's your husband but as soon as i said, i'm married to my motorbike they they were like yes high five <laughs> so it was it was um, a very positive experience not only for my own uh, knowing that I could achieve this, that I could look after myself, that I didn't have to have someone to hide behind, that any situation you put me in, I managed to find a way through it, round it, uh, over it, whatever. But also that the way that the world reacted to me and that, you know, I didn't have any special self, self-defense self skills and I, I, I had a, I had a, a pen knife but not not a weapon and and I did I found I, I didn't need it um that vulnerability actually gave me strength in a way and um I kind of owned it and I, and I went out there and I said hey yeah this is me and people accepted me and actually maybe because I was on my own people accepted me into their homes and and you know because hey I could have been an axe murderer right that's the way I looked at it was that people are trusting me too and um and so the motorbike was 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 the a, people love motorbikes too. They're drawn to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I could get to places where buses couldn't take me or trains couldn't take me. Um, and actually, I felt it was probably one of the safest ways to travel in a way because if you're backpacking, you have to follow the crowd, the backpacking crowd, and that's where you'll find people praying to you know praying on you. Th- you know, if there's anybody gonna want to try and steal your money that way inclined then they're likely to go to those areas whereas on a motorbike you can go as rural as you like and especially mm-hmm. like um so yeah it's it's not as scary as you think and, and a motorbike just makes total sense to me I love the way you describe that because I've been looking for those words and I think you just nailed it for me but it is it's a different level of vulnerability when you're on a bike versus in a car and I think that's one of the reasons why at least I, and I think probably most people who are motorbike riders, they are drawn to that because of it's an extra feeling of freedom. It's definitely a feeling of freedom. Absolutely. Yeah. Nailed it. It's, um, 
and 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 it's an empowerment thing as well it, it's not something that it, it's almost a subconscious I don't know what it is but it, it, it's, it's the wind it, it, you know not quite in your hair because you've got your helmet on but something <laughs> <laughs> empowering about that vulnerability um I, I, it's hard to think to explain to somebody who's not felt it um but it's it's a great feeling for sure and I feel like it's every time you get on and off your bike it's you feel that all over again. You feel that adrenaline, that sense of excitement, and then you get off and say, look what I just did. And it's very personal and individual. Yeah, absolutely. And it is. It's not about competition, about any, you know, uh, who's got a bigger engine or who's got the, you know, the faster bike, or maybe with some people it is. But I, I think, you know, the other day I went out for a ride out with my friends, which was the first time since lockdown. It was wonderful. And we all had different bikes, you know, well, somebody had a dirt bike, somebody had a 1200, uh, you know, GS, and somebody, <laughs> you know, an R, whatever, you know, there was, there was a whole, there was about eight bikes and they were all completely different, not matching at all. So, you know, we're all capable of different speeds, different cornering things. And it was so much fun. It was just like, well, we're all having fun in our own little world and yet we're together, you know, and it was, <laughs> It, there's something that uh, motorbikes just bring people together like that. And we didn't care how fast we were going or whatever. We were just enjoying that um, individual thing, but in a group, I, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a strange, we all knew where, um, you know, we all know how each other feels in that sense. Mm-hmm. It brings another level of awareness. I feel to humanity to be able to s- step out of the normal routine. And I feel like I notice more bikers when I'm riding and stop to help or even just visit if I if we have to happen to be in the same place at the same time I'm drawn to speak to them and to talk about their bikes and to ask them about their adventures where most of the time we're going so fast that we don't even stop to talk to other people yeah that that is so true and and that's like I said with the motorbike is it sort of people are drawn to motorbikes so when you're traveling too so it's a tool for drawing in people are even non-bikers for some reason you know um and and i and i think uh it it, but when it comes to bikers together we have we instantly have something in common something that we share and uh there's a togetherness immediately even if you've never met that person before there's there's a an element of respect um which is lovely now you or i almost prompted really quickly your himalayan adventure what was that? Because I've seen some of the videos and that looked like the biggest challenge ever. Yeah, it, it was pretty challenging. I've got to say, and that was a, a short burst challenge. So that was two weeks taking the, the first group of all women bikers up to Everest Base Camp. And, uh, you know, I, I tell you what, there, there was 20, 25 of us and um, the, the conditions got her really, really bad, a lot, lot worse than we expected. So we had landslides. Um, extreme weather conditions that the rain just brought half the mountain down and we we um, we had to keep going and and, and th- there were definitely a few moments in that where through the thick mud and the rocks and the ruts and the you know where you're going okay as we said earlier that moment of I've got nothing left to give but we did it and we got to the end and, and, and that was the real buzz. And actually, I think those women who, sadly, not all of the women made it to the end, um, but I don't think anybody would have changed what happened in a sense because they had such a buzz from, we got through that and look, you can be proud of yourself for how you 
how you reacted, how you behaved. Because when put under pressure, you know, anything can happen. And um, it's really good to know that about yourself is how you're going to react. And, and the fact that you can pull through that, that again, gave, gave those women a lot of strength. And, and I, and I, um, you know, I, people keep saying that I led them. I don't think I led them. I think I was part of a group and there were times where people helped me pick my bike up and uh, there were lots of tears, lots of laughter. It was a wonderful experience um, that, that I probably don't want to repeat. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've thought as I've watched some of those videos. I think I am so excited that I get to see this and watch this and don't sign me up for that trip. <laughs> <laughs> Very wise, very wise. <laughs> so I have one other thing I want to I want to ask you about, and that I'll say one word: trousers. <laughs> yes, yeah. We, um, my my school uh, head new headmaster came along and said, "No, women are not girls are not allowed to wear trousers in the winter, as we had been doing uh, anymore, because they've got to wear skirts." And and I found this extremely offensive at the age of. 14 or 15 and um and so I called a meeting um in the corner of the field and I stood on a big boulder and I told the whole school that we were going on strike I didn't ask them I told them mind you know yes <laughs> we're going on strike and this is how it's going to be and and so the the poor the younger kids were, were probably thinking okay who are we more frightened of her or the teachers and <laughs> <laughs> We followed and, and we went and we we sat and we we stood initially outside the headmaster's in the in the the, the playground whatever you call it in the in the sort of the outside area uh, beneath the window of the headmaster and we we uh, well we called the newspapers and um uh, that's the royal we I mean I called the newspapers and I made a bit. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. I, I I got into a lot of trouble for that but um but I did we did manage to change the rules and they, and they had a big meeting and a couple of months later they, they agreed that uh, girls could wear trousers again. So I was very proud of that in the end. Do you feel like you're a rule breaker a little bit, or at least trying to challenge the the status quo a little? Oh, all of the above. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I like to think that I'll be a rebel until my, you know, until I die. And and I think we should all have a little bit of cheekiness about us. That doesn't mean going crazy, but, but, you know, just a bit of cheekiness about us regardless, because um, that, that's what it's all about. I think so too. I feel like a lot of the, the ways in which we grow up doesn't, we don't need them anymore. They're outdated. And if we never think about them and challenge them, then it's going to continue for, you know, eternity or however long. And I think having that little bit of rebellious nature is what allows change to come. For sure. And, you know, I, I, I see, um, I, I see younger people, I sound old, really old now, younger people, um, these days, you know, and actually I think things are changing and, and, um, kids are being really inventive these days. They're, they're, they're not as, I think we're managing as society to to change things around and to and to channel energy and allow people to be more creative and that reflects in the way kids are spending their time so there's not as much hanging on street hanging out street corners getting bored a lot of people kids who get into trouble are getting into trouble and experimenting with things um because they don't know what else to do they need guidance at that age and and I you can allow them to flourish and and express themselves, not necessarily in the way that 
we did, but it may be in their own way that that, that will encourage them to, to be stronger people and happier people in the long run. So we do have to, as individuals, I think it's, um, you know, we have to challenge those boundaries occasionally and question, you know, always question. Yes, absolutely. Okay, Steph, if we have listeners who want to learn more about you, where do they go? Okay, well, um, I have a website, which is uh, just simply stephjevons.org. Com, uh, and I'm on Facebook as well at Steph Jevons. And where do they find your book? Can they find it on your website? They can. Yes, um, there's, there's a shop on the website, and uh, it's launching on the third of September. But you can pre-order now, and you'll get get signed copy. All pre-orders will be signed uh, and personally signed and, and and sent off the the week leading up to the launch day. So you'll be one of the first to get it if you pre-order. But uh, yeah, it's all there. Oh, how exciting! I can't wait. I've already pre-ordered. So it will be (laughs) it will be here as soon as possible. And I'm excited to see and read your adventures. That's 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 another accomplishment. You've accomplished a lot. That's great. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would love your feedback afterwards. I really love to know what you think of it. Yes, absolutely. So do you have anything else for our listeners? Anything any words of wisdom or advice that you'd want to to share? Do you know, I, I think just embrace the ups and downs of life. And, and, and as I said, I think the important thing, the important message is if you have a goal, set your date. It doesn't matter if you have no idea how it's going to work or when or, 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 or whatever, but set a date, even if it's 10 years down the road and, and then take bite-sized chunks and, um, and good luck. <laughs> yes. And hang on for the ride, right? <laughs> Well, thank you so much. I truly appreciate you being a guest on the show. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Isn't she great? I felt like the more I spoke with her and the longer we chatted, the more I want to meet her in person. Like we could hang out and be friends. I just loved this conversation and I hope you did too. I hope that you not only were entertained and inspired, but I hope you were able to take all of those lessons. You know, she's overcome a tough past, not only the actual events of her life and the things that she has been exposed to and involved in, but the the process of overcoming that past and not letting it hold her back and allowing her to do such great, amazing things. And I hope that you can look at that and see yourself in a position where you're able to recognize that you have just as much potential to do great things in whatever whatever area you want. There is nothing to hold you back. And I hope that this conversation inspired you and helped you realize that for yourself. Now, to learn more about Steph, I'm going to make it easy for you. I'm going to have links to her book and to more about her, her Facebook page, ways that you can follow her, all on my website with the show notes to this episode. So I want you to go to theheartofconfidence.com forward slash Steph Jevons, and that is S-T-E-P-H-J-E-A-V-O-N-S. You can also go to her website, like she mentioned, you can find her book there, but if it's easier for you to just go to mine and click on those links, I'll have everything ready for you. All right, my friend, have a great week and I will be back soon.